morning. It's great to have you here today. Welcome to all of you joining us online. I pray that you enter in. Just a uh, uh, heads up to those of you joining us online, we're going to be doing communion later on in the service, so you'll want to grab some elements and be prepared for that moment. For this year, our theme has been, what does it mean to be deployed as disciples? And so we've been kind of hitting this theme hard throughout the the year. We recently finished a series in Ephesians with this kind of thematic background. And we looked at our Christian identity and looked at Christian ethics and what does it mean to be a man or woman of God. And it was a great, deep kind of look into that. I want us to kind of take a breath today. We're going to enter into a new series beginning this morning for six weeks. Basically, we're going to look at some great Old Testament examples of people who were very ordinary, but they were used by God in an extraordinary way. And we're going to have one or two big thoughts for each message, but we're uh, going to keep it a little bit more simple this, this summer. Basically, what I want to have happen is for us to learn vicariously. I used to say that to my kids all the time when they were little. It's better to learn by somebody else's example rather than having to learn everything yourself. Amen? And so what we look at today and for the next several weeks are great examples of people who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're going to pick out a characteristic that kind of, you know, summarizes their life. And we're going to pray that our God would then instill that into our hearts. Amen. And so I'm looking forward to this, this series. It's kind of like taking a breath and just saying, okay, God. Let me just still my soul before you and, and learn of you. I, I think uh, collectively people are tired. Are you tired? This last year has been hard. I find myself frequently going into zone. Do you, don't, do you zone? I zone all the time. I just don't listen to anything that's going on around me, hear what anybody's saying, and then I realize a few minutes the, uh, into this kind of exchange that I have no idea what these people are saying. Anybody do that beside me? And I think the year kind of has pushed us into this exhaustion kind of feeling. And, and, and what I find myself doing recently is returning to my first love, Jesus, in a very simple way, in a very heartfelt way, and just communion, uh, communicating and having communion with him and just enjoying his presence. And what I pray in this series is that some of that is, is revitalizing us as the people of God. Today, we're going to look at the Rechabites. They were just these nomadic, ordinary people doing life as their forefather had ordained for them. But man, they were used by God to to make a great big point that this ordinary group of people were so loyal to Jonadab and his commands that they became extraordinary examples of what it means uh, to uh, follow somebody with this great loyalty. And so today, what I pray is that God instills into you and I what it means to be a loyal follower of Jesus Christ. We live in a world that's lost its mind. Amen? Do you agree with that? Uh, I don't know if Randy Hanson is in the service, but that's his favorite saying anymore, that the world we live in has just lost its mind. And one of the ways that we testify and witness best to a world that's lost its mind is simply by being a loyal follower of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. That will tremendously differentiate us, amen? It will make us peculiar people that stand out. And it's simple. We just have to be a loyal follower. And that's what we're going to see here is what's emphasized by uh, the the scripture I'm going to read. I'm going to read to you from Jeremiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 19. It's a long read, but it's really worth it. 
This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord during the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. Go to the Rechabite family and invite them to come to one of the side rooms of the house of the Lord and give them wine to drink. So I went to get Jezaniah, son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brothers and all his sons, and the whole family of the Rechabites. I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the room of the son of Hanan, son of Igdaliah, the man of God. It was next to the room of the officials, which is over that of Maseiah, son of Shalom, the doorkeeper. Then I set bowls of wine and some cups before the men of the Rechabite family, and I said to them, drink some wine. But they replied, we do not drink wine, because our forefather Jonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command. Neither you nor your descendants must ever drink wine. Also, you must never build houses, sow seed, or plant vineyards. You must never have any of these things, but must always live in tents. Then you will live a long time in the land where you are nomads. We have obeyed everything our forefather Jonadab, son of Rechab, commanded us. Neither we nor our wives nor our sons and daughters have ever drunk wine or built houses to live in or had vineyards. Fields or crops. We have lived in tents and have fully obeyed everything our forefather Jonadab commanded us. But when Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon invaded this land. We said, come, we must go to Jerusalem to escape the Babylonian and Aramean armies. So we remained in Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Go and tell the men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem, will you not learn a lesson and obey my words, declares the Lord. Jonadab, son of Rechab, ordered his sons not to drink wine, and this command has been kept. To this day they do not drink wine, because they have obeyed their forefathers' command. But I have spoken to you again and again, yet you have not obeyed me. Again and again I sent All my servants and prophets to you, they said. Each of you must turn from your wicked ways and reform your actions. Do not follow other gods to serve them. Then you will live in the land I have given you and your fathers. But you have not paid attention or listened to me. The descendants of Jonadam, son of Rechab, have carried out the command their forefather gave them. But these people have not obeyed me. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen, I'm going to bring on Judah and on everything living in Jerusalem every disaster I pronounce against them. I spoke to them, but they did not listen. I called to them, but they did not answer. Then Jeremiah said to the family of the Rechabites, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. You have obeyed the command of your forefather Jonadab and have followed all of his instructions and have done everything he ordered. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Jonadab, son of Rechab, will never fail to have a man to serve me. So that's an interesting and very insightful story. You got to get the, 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 the gist of this thing. Jeremiah the prophet, man, he's a big deal in Israel at that time. He, he, he's the prophet of God. And he comes to this nomadic clan who has fled the Babylonian invasion and are in Jerusalem, brings him to the side room of a house of God and says, drink some wine. Now, when you have been tempted to think, well, you know, here's a man of God, the man, the man of God, telling us to drink wine, surely our forefather Jonadab was wrong, right? And this is probably not a big deal just to drink some wine. No, they don't do that. They stand fast against this request of, of Jeremiah and said, we can't, we can't do that because our forefathers told us not to do that. And the Bible goes on to explain that Jonadab 
didn't tell him just not to drink wine. He said, don't plant vineyards, because wine comes from vineyards. Don't build houses. Don't sow seed. Basically, what, what they were to be was a very mobile, nomadic people. So that when people like the Babylonians invaded, what could they do? They could just pack up their tents on their camels, and they could go, and they would not be defeated by this enemy. So we're going to look at the Rechabites for a few moments today. And there is a phrase that I use to just kind of characterize them. They're loyal followers. And if you remember nothing else today, remember this. God has called you and me to be a loyal follower. Just to be a loyal follower. If we are a loyal follower of God, that will differentiate us from 98% of this world. Amen? If we are just a loyal follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the purpose why uh, the Rechabites were called to this nomadic, separate lifestyle. The commands of Jonadab were given to make sure his descendants were not tied down to the land so they could easily move and avoid invaders. And the value, of course, of that, that command by Jonadab is seen in, in, the, in what we just read. They were able to avoid the Babylonian and Armenian invasion. They just folded up their tents and left. I don't know about you. I like mobility. You like mobility? I like change. I get bored. I mean, preaching three services in a row, I'm getting kind of bored by the third hour. I shouldn't say that. I'm just joking. You follow what I'm saying? I, I like change. I like mobility. And Vicki and I, we love to go, um, you know, on these trips, but we like mobility. So we bought a little teardrop camper. It's tiny. It's a teeny little bed. Well, no, it's a queen-size bed. That's not teeny. But some of you might think that's teeny. And it's got a little bath in it bathroom in it and a little dinette in it and all that kind of stuff. And it pulls really easy behind the truck. But I, what I like about it is you can just pull in. You don't even have to disconnect this puppy. You just go to bed. It's like the best thing ever, right? And you can do this, what we call the dispersed camping. You don't even pay. You just pull in. You don't pay a dime. You sleep and you go. It's like total mobility. I love it. I love that kind of feeling of freedom. And that's what what Jonadab was trying to set up for his descendants is to understand by being a nomadic people, if you're not tied down to the land, if you're not investing in the land, you know, and you don't have any skin in the game, so to speak, you'll easily just pack up and leave, right? When things aren't going well. And you'll avoid capture and defeat by having this nomadic kind of lifestyle. See, drinking wine would mean you would need a vineyard. A vineyard mean that you would be invested in planting and raising a grape crop. Uh, building a house means you're invested. You're putting uh, time and energy into building a house, right? Uh, sowing crops, same thing. You're tied to the land. Listen, the Bible says where your treasure is, there is your what? Heart. So if you're investing in all these kinds of things, Jonadab knew that they would not leave when enemies came. They would try to defend the land. And most likely they would get defeated and overtaken then by superior forces that came against them, right? But by being, you know, nomadic and not being tied to the land, not having investment in those kinds of things, then these ones were free to just get up and leave when things got kind of tough. Here's the point. This story is not about the Rechabites necessarily. It's about this ordinary nomadic group of people who in an extraordinarily unusual way followed the instructions of their forefather. And God was making a point to the nation of Israel, and he's making it to us. A couple of them, in fact. First one is this. God's instructions to the Israelites was that like the Rechabites followed Jonadab's commands, even though they may have seemed inconvenient, his people likewise were to follow his commands and live. God makes it known that he spoke to his people over and over again, but they weren't listening. 
They were following false gods, and that was going to lead to their destruction, was leading to the destruction. And he laments, basically, the Rechabites are better at following their human ancestors' instructions than you are at following my divine instructions. So here's our big thought. The Rechabites seem to be an ordinary nomadic people, but their obedience was extraordinary. It just was unusual. And they avoided troubles because they listened to and followed their ancestors' instructions. Man, God is just saying to you and I, do you not know that I give you my words and I give you life? And if you follow my words, you can experience life. If you follow my instructions, you're going to experience, you know, well-being. But if you don't, you're going to experience uh, destruction. And so here's the principle we're supposed to take away, uh, at least with this part of the Rechabite story. The instructions of the Bible are to be listened to and followed. As you do this, you will avoid what I call self-inflicted trouble in your life. See, a lot of the trouble we get into is when we just don't follow God's ways. And I call that self-inflicted trouble because it can be avoided by simply being a loyal follower of God, listening to, knowing his word, and following it. Now, that doesn't guarantee your life will be void of problems. It won't guarantee that at all. But it'll be void of self-inflicted troubles. Amen? And a lot of the troubles that we face are self-inflicted. And we're to take heart from the... Rechabite example that being a loyal follower of God will bring us to this place of freedom and life. But I like the second part of the Rechabite stories. They, they, uh, Jonadab was on to something really, really fundamental for us to know as Christ followers. Basically, what he was saying to his ancestors was, listen, you can't live like the world around you. You can't have their same priorities. You can't be about buying houses and investing in houses and and sowing land and and sowing vineyards and and all that because these things will tie you to the land. What you invest in will capture your heart. And then when troubles come your way, you won't have the wherewithal or the freedom to leave and escape. You'll try to defend these things, and that will lead to your destruction. Now, here's what he's saying to us, Christ followers. Listen, this is where I think this is a now word of God to us. We as Christ followers, we can't live our lives like the world around us. We can't get caught up in the same kind of rat race that's going on around us. We can't invest in all the things that this world's investing in that are far from God. We can't want the same things and desire the same things as the world around us. If we do, our heart will go there. And when God wants us to move, we won't move because we've invested in the wrong things. Amen? And what we're supposed to understand is this world is not our home. We're a nomadic people. We're never intended to build homes in this world and have this world be our wherewithal and everything we're living for. No, we're to live in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing this world is not our home. We're not going to invest in this place that's so temporary that moth and rust destroy it all. We're going to invest in the things of the kingdom of God where moth and rust does not destroy or take away. Amen? We're going to be eternally prospective people not living for the temporary like that's all life is. And I think that's a huge message to the church today. Sure, this world's going crazy, but we're not of this world, amen? Amen. We're of Jesus Christ. 
And we are to live a different nomadic kind of lifestyle with a different kind of perspective of what's important. Here's a needed conviction I think God wants to take his people to. The Bible is for your good and following it leads to the best life you can live. The Bible is for your good and following it leads to the best life you can live. In fact, I want us to say this out loud. The Bible is for my good. Would you say that with me? Here we go. The Bible is for my good. Good practice. Now we'll say it like we mean it. The Bible is for my good. Do you have that deep conviction? Because there's a lot of philosophies out there, a lot of things that are contrary to the Bible that seek our allegiance. And lately, I've said this before, I've been going back and just reading large portions of Scripture just to immerse myself in the ways of God and the way he thinks to counteract all the stuff I'm getting thrown at me constantly in this world. And I have come to this conviction again. I'm not missing out of anything. Following God is by far the best thing to do. And being a loyal follower of God is going to produce in me the best life possible. I came to that conclusion as a 13-year-old guy that came from a real broken situation. And 50 years later, you can do the math if you want, I'm coming back to that simple equation again. That following you, Jesus, is the best life I could ever live. And everything else pales in comparison. Being a loyal follower of you is where it's at. And my hope and my dream and my prayer for us as a church is that that begins to describe us as people of God. Whether you're listening online today, whether you're here in person, I pray that you're just a loyal follower of Jesus. That you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that all you purpose to do in your life is simply to follow the Lord and be in love with him. Amen? I find myself being extremely exhausted, like I said earlier. But I I do find myself saying frequently, Jesus, I love you. You're just so cool. You're just so good. You've been so good to me. My life's been so good. Do you ever do that? Do you just have that simple exchange with the Lord? I pray you do. That's going to be what takes you from being just an ordinary person to being an extraordinary follower of God, simply by being a loyal follower. I wonder how many people in the days of the Rechabites thought, wow, what a backwards group of people. What's wrong with these guys? They're living in tents. You know, we call those people homeless today, right? They're living in tents. They don't do anything. They don't invest in anything. They don't plant any crops. They don't build any houses. I mean, wow, they're missing out on the good life, right? That's probably what they thought. Now, if you're a follower of God today and you begin to live entirely differently, people will think you're strange. They'll think you have a screw loose. They'll think you're not very smart, not very bright, and you're missing out. I hope we come to this conviction I'm not missing out on anything when I follow Jesus. It's the best life I could possibly live. So here's a reflection question I want you to consider. What do others think of you when they hear your name? Does loyal follower of Jesus make a mention? Just think on that. Reflect on that. What I want to do now is I want us to do a loyal followers proclamation out loud together. So we're going to just read Psalm 19 verses 7 through 11 
as a loyal follower's proclamation. So read this out loud with me. Here we go. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. I don't know how many times over the last year I've come back to this simple instruction from Jesus. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. We're called to be loyal followers, and it's the best life that we can possibly experience. Would you bow your heads with me as I pray, please? God, we see the merit, the insightfulness of the story, the account of the Rechabites. And we pray today that you would grace us to learn vicariously from their example, Lord. First, that we would understand the importance of following your instructions, Jesus. That they're life-giving and they're for our good. And we're a nomadic people. We declare that, Lord. This, this world is not our home. You've called your followers to be a nomadic people that hold this life loosely and realize we're on a journey from here to there, so to speak, as we live this life. This is not our destiny. This is not the place to take residence in, so to speak. Our residence is with you, Jesus. Our, he- our home is in heaven. So I pray that you give us that perspective, Lord, and I pray that we have loose ties to this world and that we be loyal followers of you um, and have a great balance going on in our lives in that regard. Um, fill us anew, would you, Lord, with a person of the Holy Spirit today? I pray that your people would walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit that we live life just on fire for you. Holy Spirit, just come. Just renew us today. Wash over us, flood our souls, and grace us to become the people God intends. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would convince us that there's no better life than just following hard after you. If there's any doubt in our minds in that regard, would you just grace us today to be people who are convinced and committed to following you and knowing that is the best life that we could ever experience in your name. Amen.